Let's start today with Ron DeSantis. Now, if you listen to our episodes or watch the videos a day or two later than we publish them, we may already know the answer to the question of whether Ron DeSantis will or will not enter the 2024 Republican primary race. Speculation is that he is going to announce if he will announce as soon as this week. But extraordinarily fascinating is a new report from The New York Times that privately one of the ways that Ron DeSantis has been trying to convince major Republican donors to support him instead of Donald Trump is by telling the donors that Trump cannot win in 2024. Now, the interesting thing about this is that in a strictly mathematical sense, based on polling, DeSantis may actually be making the most fact based argument that could be made about why someone would choose DeSantis over Trump in the Republican primary, even if they are sort of MAGA people. And we're going to look at that polling. But it's not wrong in a strictly factual sense for DeSantis to be making this argument. But is this the way to project strength to those who are saying, well, we've got the former President Trump, but maybe I want something different so I could support someone else? Does it project strength for DeSantis's case to be Trump can't win? So give me money instead. We look at this report, Biden and me, DeSantis privately tells donors Trump can't win. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida all but declared his presidential candidacy Thursday afternoon, telling donors and supporters on a call that only three credible candidates were in the race and that only he would be able to win both the Republican primary and the general election. Quote, you have basically three people at this point that are credible in this whole thing. Uh, Biden, Trump and me. And I think of those three two have a chance to get elected president, Biden and me, based on all the data in the swing states, which is not great for the former president and probably insurmountable because people aren't going to change their view of him. This is correct. The, it, the, it's such a unique situation in which we find ourselves right now. I believe that DeSantis is right. When we look at new and recent polling of different kinds, um, you see that. Uh, let's see which of these are the most relevant to what we're talking about. There is a Harris X poll, which is done in partnership with Harvard. If you look at that one, Biden DeSantis are even, but Biden is losing to Trump by seven. That's an outlier in which Trump does better against Biden than DeSantis. But you look at most polling and Biden does better against Trump than he does against Ron DeSantis. For example, you have uh, Biden. Actually, you know, in, in recent is this turning around? I'm now looking I the last I looked at this was Friday. There is a bunch of new polling which actually says that Biden is doing better against DeSantis than Trump. So if the polling is turning around, maybe this is wrong. But historically, uh, Biden has done better against Trump than DeSantis. So let's imagine that these last couple of polls uh, are, are outliers and don't represent the broader picture. DeSantis isn't wrong in saying that if we were to get to a general election matchup, I do better against Biden than Trump. Let's imagine that that's true. But this is a very weak case to be making. This is a sign of DeSantis's insecurity and fear of Trump which is very clear, which is to skip and just say, if we get to November, I do better, whether or not that's true. 
because DeSantis doesn't really know how to run against Trump. So these are the sorts of things he's relegated to telling donors. Well, it's not about I'm going to do better with X group in the South or whatever the case may be. It's Trump can't actually win and I could. So the idea is undermine Trump in front of donors behind closed doors, appeal to the donors and say to them, you need a more viable alternative. And I guess it's me. I don't know that this is an effective strategy to win the Republican primary. That's the critical thing to understand. Even if DeSantis is right, he does better against Biden than Trump. Or if he's wrong, this is not a strategy that is going to propel DeSantis to winning the Republican nomination, which he has to do first, because when you look at the strategy of DeSantis on policy, on the one hand, during Trump's presidency, DeSantis was a major Trump brown noser and sycophant. DeSantis echoed some of Trump's lies about the election. DeSantis echoed much of what Trump was saying about covid, even though now in retrospect, they're pretending that they were really far apart on covid. But you look at immigration, you look at voting rights, banning books that criticize Trump from public schools. You look at all these things, this long period of time they were in lockstep. And in retrospect now, both are drawing distinctions and trying to criticize the other as saying they went the wrong way. I now represent the heart of the Republican Party. That doesn't seem like it's going to convince MAGA people to abandon Trump and support DeSantis. And that's what this is all about. I'm getting so wound up. I just punched my microphone. I apologize to people listening with headphones. At the end of the day, this is a math or maths problem. Uh, DeSantis, even if he gets all of the current non Trump vote cannot get to 50% in the Republican primary. And so when you hear DeSantis is behind closed doors telling donors Trump can't actually beat Biden or whatever the case may be, the donors, if they're at all connected to reality, should be looking at DeSantis and saying, listen, Ron, meatball, whatever they call him at this point. Even if we believe you that you're the guy that can beat Biden, this isn't going to help you beat Trump, who already has 55, 56, 57 percent of the primary. What exactly are you going to do to turn Trump voters to your side? And DeSantis has no answer to that whatsoever. So DeSantis is doing the thing that oftentimes primary candidates who will lose are going to do. Look at Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, instead of going after Trump, other than to say I'm from a different generation, basically I'm younger and I'm a woman. Nikki Haley has been mostly criticizing Joe Biden. That's a loser's strategy. You're not explaining how you win the primary when you just say, here are all the problems with Joe Biden. Trump spends all day criticizing Joe Biden. It's not going to convince Republican voters. So I'm as curious as anybody else to see what happens if and when DeSantis enters this race. That may be today, that may be tomorrow. Or he may say, if if better judgment gets to him, I can't win this thing. I'm going to wait until 2028. I, I struggle to imagine DeSantis gets away from polling 20 percent and saying maybe I could double it, maybe I could triple it. So we will know much more very soon. But in the meantime, DeSantis having major problems in the state of Florida. And I want to talk about that next. The NAACP is warning black folks. LGBT folks and other minority groups don't go to Florida. 
It's dangerous. Ron DeSantis's Florida is a very dangerous place. A very interesting article from the Miami Herald says hate inspired leadership. NAACP joins other groups in warning against travel to Florida. The oldest civil rights group is cautioning travelers reconsider visits to Florida as they join other advocates in expressing distaste for the state's openly hostile leadership. The NAACP has issued issued a travel advisory in response to Ron DeSantis's attempts to ban books about race and LGBTQ identity, reject a new AP class on African-American studies, ban diversity, equity and inclusion programs in Florida colleges. Quote, Florida is openly hostile to African-Americans, people of color, LGBTQ plus individuals. Before traveling to Florida, please understand that the state of Florida devalues and marginalizes the contributions of and the challenges faced by African-Americans and other communities of color. And it also says if you decide to travel to Florida, be advised Florida public schools won't teach your children accurate African-American history. Um, The state of Florida does not value diversity, equity and inclusion. The state of Florida doesn't welcome the contributions of African-Americans as people of color etc., etc., etc. So a few different things to this. On the one hand, sort of proving the point, I saw wildly racist responses to this online, including people saying, hey, Florida's only dangerous because of the black people. Maybe this will keep black people out of the state. The uh, right wing subreddit conservative was openly celebrating. Hey, you know what? We should welcome this. This might make it so fewer black people travel to Florida, although the post said less black people rather than fewer. But I'm giving it to you in a grammatically correct way. So a couple different aspects to this. First of all, the very reaction to this advisory by the NAACP proves much of what the NAACP is saying, period. End of story. Secondly, the fact that in the US, There are travel warnings to different states based on this sort of thing points to the retrograde and backwards nature of what's going on in the United States. But lastly, as a literal travel advisory, I don't know. Like, for example, the first thing on the list is be aware that if you travel to Florida, um, your kids aren't going to be taught X, Y, Z. Most people traveling to Florida are going on vacation. They're not putting their kids in school. So I hesitate to take this completely seriously as a literal travel advisory. But I think the point here is to be more than a literal travel advisory. The idea here is bring attention to what's going on in Florida, point to how these policies in Florida disproportionately impact marginalized communities of all kind. Uh, black folks, folks, LGBT folks, women when it comes to the abortion ban that has been passed and their families, of course. So I see this advisory not as, you know, the advisory that the U.S. State Department has about traveling to the Sinaloa region of Mexico, where they say, listen, significant cartel activity. If you get into trouble there, you may be beyond help from the U.S. embassy. This is not that. This is not that, but it is a form of activism that raises awareness and it encourages dialogue and the need for rights and protections and points to many of the things that are going on, going on and going wrong in the state of Florida. Now, there are people who saw this advisory and said this is very unfair. This is very unfair to Florida as a whole because you have so many parts of Florida where where even if it is the case that on paper teachers are not allowed to do X, Y, Z. 
Um, it is actually in the liberal parts of Florida. Uh, it is welcomed. Nobody is blowing the whistle. You look at p places like Miami and Miami Beach and other liberal areas. The LGBT community is welcome. There are absolutely no risk danger whatsoever. Black folks are welcomed. And I have to tell you, having spent time in those areas, I believe that that's true. But still, it's really important to understand the underlying message here. Even if state decrees from DeSantis are being ignored in the liberal parts of Florida, which to a great degree they are. It is still the case that as a state, Florida is not fostering inclusivity. It's not promoting equality. It's not combating discrimination. In fact, it seems to be building it. So I think let's not dismiss this outright because it's not a literal travel advisory per the interpretation of some. Let's use it to remind ourselves of the right wing hellscape that DeSantis is trying to turn Florida into. He hasn't yet succeeded, certainly not in all parts of Florida, but that's not a reason to ignore this. So a very interesting declaration from the NAACP. We're going to take a quick break. We have a packed program today. Um, I do want to remind you that we are just one week away from Monday Memorial Day. On Monday Memorial Day this year, that will be the 29th. Do I even know what year it is? Yes, May 29th. We are doing a one day membership special, doing what we can to jumpstart support for this program as we build into the 2024 election. If you've been saying, oh, maybe I'll get one of those memberships, I don't know, David. I, I, I kind of like the show, but I don't like you enough to pay full price. Fair, fair. Monday morning, we'll be sending out an email to everyone on our mailing list with an incredible coupon code. I would love for you to get on that newsletter at davidpackman.com. You'll be notified first thing Monday morning, and then we will welcome you with open arms into the ranks of membership. One of our sponsors today is Ounce of Hope, giving our listeners 20% off. Ounce of Hope is an aquaponic cannabis company and a small business that supports The David Pakman Show. If you're not familiar with aquaponics, what they do is sustainably raise fish and they use the nutrient rich water. Folks, we're talking about fish poop here to feed the cannabis plants. It's really a cool concept. It's organic. It's symbiotic. And what Ounce of Hope offers you is a wide range of high quality cannabis products. They have CBD. They have more recreational products made with Delta eight and Delta nine THC. Their products with THC are psychoactive, producing the type of buzz associated with marijuana. But their THC products are 100 percent federally legal because they are derived from hemp so they can be shipped anywhere in the United States. Ounce of Hope grows, extracts and formulates everything in house. You can trust the safety and quality of everything that arrives at your door. So whether you're looking for help sleeping at night, something for aches or pains, a recreational way to unwind on the weekend, Ounce of Hope can help. Ounce of Hope is giving David Pakman show listeners 20 percent off everything they offer. When you go to ounceofhope.com and use code Pacman, that's O-U-N-C-E of hope.com. Use code Pacman at checkout for 20% off. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated 
We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H E L P dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is Bon Charge. I have always enjoyed dry saunas. You get in there, your heart rate is up, dilates the blood vessels, can soothe achy joints and muscles. It's relaxing. It's just a great way to remove a little stress. Bon Charge is the creator of the infrared sauna blanket, which you can enjoy from home. Super easy to set up heats up fast. You don't have to have your head inside like at a traditional sauna at the gym. Nice for meditating or reading, getting work done, relaxing. I have found it to be a great way to unwind at the end of a long day. Easy to clean, sleek, lightweight design, easy to store and comes with a 12 month warranty. And of course, if you don't love it, returns are super easy. But I think you will love it. And you'll get 15% off when you go to bondcharge.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. That's B O N C H A R G E dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for 15% off. The link is in the podcast notes. An anti transgender mom was interviewed on CNN. It uh, is extraordinarily disturbing and sad. And I'm going to play it for you. And we're going to talk through some of the things that were said. This is Darcy Shoning, the chapter chair for Moms for Liberty in El Paso County, Colorado. Uh, Darcy is very, very worried. She's worried that there are multiple forces at play that want to convince our children to become gay or trans, which I feel like a moron even saying, because anybody who understands being gay or trans realizes that this concept makes absolutely no sense, nor does the nor do any of the parties mentioned have any interest in convincing people to be gay or trans. However, what I what I do want to point to in this interview is the interviewer L. Reeve asks, why would teachers unions or by why would they want to convince people to be gay or trans? Darcy has an answer. It's an idiotic answer. It's an easily debunkable answer. It's an answer that makes no sense whatsoever unless you understand nothing about anything. But she has an answer. So we're going to be able to analyze it for what it is. All right, let's take a listen to this behind your parents back. I got your back. I mean, there's a clear move to bring more of that into our schools, and it's just not the school's place. So what I feel like you're strongly implying 
and I would like to get your take on because I don't want to attribute something that you don't think. But to me, it sounds like you're saying there's some kind of high-level coordinated effort to make more children trans and gay. Yeah. Well, who's directing that? Teachers unions and um, our president and a lot of funding sources and teachers. Which she doesn't mention. So that's teachers unions. Our president, which at least she acknowledges Biden as the president, teachers unions, Biden and a lot of funding sources want to make kids gay and trans. Hmm. Unions are also heavily backing the curriculum that we're bringing into schools. Why would they want more kids to be gay and trans? Because it breaks down the family unit, which breaks down traditional conservative values. It breaks down a lot of things in this country. It changes the way that people think it changes the way that people um, handle politics. Of course, there's no evidence of a coordinated plot to make kids trans. When I hear those thoughts about like some sort of concerted effort to make people gay, does it sound like a conspiracy theory to you? Um, It's not a conspiracy theory that the state, whether you're talking about Colorado or the federal government, is taking a stronger and stronger hand in public education, in raising our kids. There's a big jump from that to what she's claiming. So do I think that for some reason people want everyone to be gay? That's a mischaracterization of what I think. I think that people will use, you know, the people that want to erode away at parental rights, the left, the teachers unions, they'll use LGBTQ or whatever may be the case at the time. Those are- yeah. So she's like, it's not that they want to make everyone gay or trans. They just want to make a lot more people gay and trans. And the critical line from this is she says that because it's a good question, right? Why would anyone want to do this? What's the political goal in making more people gay and trans kids if you could do such a thing? And she says, it will break down the family unit and it will break down conservative values. Well, what's interesting about I mean, think that through, right? If you have a child and the child is gay, it only breaks down the family unit if the parents reject the kid and kick them out of the house, which sometimes happens, right? When you actually think about what she's saying, you realize that's only the case if we treat LGBT folks terribly including LGBT kids. So let's go through a couple of these these ideas here. First is the notion that teachers unions have adopted this secret mission to undermine the family unit and conservative values by trying to convince children to take on these identities. There's no evidence of that, but the suggestion would make you believe or suggest to you that educators who go through all of the schooling that they go through bachelor's degree, typically master's degree, they learn how to teach, how to impart knowledge, how to uh, uh, educate young minds, all of these things. Their actual plan all along was to be social engineers, to get themselves into classrooms in order to convince children to be gay, specifically to tear families apart by destroying the family unit through such social engineering. That's an insane thing to accuse teachers of doing because you have to when they vaguely say the teachers union, you, you think of this monolith, this almost like a corporation of sorts. But then you think through, and you go, oh, OK, the third grade teacher who is now in debt because of the masters in education that they have and they're underpaid and blah, blah, blah. They did all of it, not because they genuinely want to teach kids, but because they have this clandestine mission to turn kids gay and trans. And that's how they want to shape the country through social engineering. It's an outrageous thing to suggest. 
then there's well, Biden wants the same thing. Uh, I mean, it, you know, the, if if anything can be said about Joe Biden, it's that his focus on LGBT issues has not been overwhelming. I mean, yes, he's done a couple events at the White House and welcomed people or whatever. He's treating people with with respect. But the idea that that's Biden's goal, but also the idea that that this alleged obsessive focus on turning people, kids gay and trans by Biden would gain him political capital when it's known to be such a controversial issue, thanks to right wingers. That doesn't make any sense in any way. And then lastly, she throws in this. And there are also funding sources that want more gay and trans people. She doesn't name those sources. I think unless she does, it's very hard to take it seriously. But you you have to understand what's at this core. A very benign and milquetoast sort of declaration that we should treat people with respect. We should have basic inclusivity in schools when it comes to LGBT people. Like That's what's really going on. Like, let's treat people with respect. In some places, we have to figure out what to do about bathrooms because it's like a tactical issue, a practical issue. Yes, and some there are some sports related questions to figure out. But basically what we're saying is let's let everybody feel comfortable and let's prevent people from feeling under threat based on their identity, because that's what gives those folks. And as a result, society as a whole, the greater chance to flourish and provide everybody equal rights and opportunities under the law. That's that's all that's going on. And they see that as an attack. They see it as an attack on, quote, conservative values. They see it as an attack on the, quote, family unit, as uh, Darcy Shoning says in this interview. That's what this is really about. Leveling the playing field so that it's not openly OK to discriminate against minority groups they see as an attack. And that tells you a lot about what these folks are thinking. I'm going to play a clip for you of Fox News propagandist Laura Ingraham casually mentioning before a commercial break. Oh, this story about uh, vets being thrown out of hotels to put in illegals. Turns out the story was completely false. Don't know why anybody would make it up. Uh, We'll talk to you later. See you on tomorrow's show very casually saying that entire story, my whole network covered for days. Turns out it was made up. It happened so quickly, you might not even notice it. Listen to this. All right, before we go, a little update on a story we brought you this week about homeless vets being displaced from hotels so that illegals could move in. Turns out the group behind the claim made it up. We have no clue as to why anyone would do such a thing, but We'll bring you any updates should they come. (laughs) That is this is crazy stuff, guys. This is really, really crazy. We ran stories nonstop for a week based on no sourcing on a total lie. And we got caught. We don't know why anyone would make this up because they got you to cover it, Laura. This is the entire point. The, The false naivete. Why would anyone make up a story? that makes Biden look bad and undocumented immigrants look bad and makes veterans appear to be the victims of undocumented immigrants. Why would anyone make that up? Well, it's because this is what your network traffics in, Laura. Uh, Some other guy also issued this retraction was like 
This one was 30 seconds instead of 20 seconds. Quick update on a story from earlier this week about homeless veterans being displaced from a hotel in Newburgh, New York yeah. uh, to make room for migrants. We're now looking into new reports that a veterans advocate misled lawmakers about or and media outlets about a story that some homeless men may have uh, been hired to pose as veterans. The, the equivocation we're looking into some claims that maybe someone else lied and it's possible like the entire thing was a complete hoax meant to fire people up. We've reached out to the organization for a statement, but so far have not heard back. We'll send it back to you. Yeah, there's enough chaos with that potentially false stories running around out there. Nate. Yeah, we it's too chaotic out there for false stories to be running around unchecked, which we do all the time which we do all the time. There's a Daily Beast article that sums this up. Fox News stoked outrage over migrants displacing homeless vets. It was a hoax. Fox News and the rest of right wing media went wild for a week over a now debunked story about New York hotels booting homeless vets to accommodate asylum seekers. This is what they do. And the false innocence. We can't imagine why. Why would anyone make this up? Well, why did people make things up about Hillary and Obama and Biden and Hunter Biden and whistleblowers that don't exist? This is what they do to try to convince people to come to their political side. And this is the equivalent of a week of page one newspaper headlines and then a Sunday retraction on page B12. Uh, it's it's the same thing. A week of headlines, 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 the five with a big blockbuster discussion. Who is really the worst person involved in this situation where vets are being kicked out to put undocumented immigrants in? They don't call them undocumented immigrants, by the way. And then, oh, real quick, before we go, it's nine fifty nine and 40 seconds now uh, before we go. That uh, story seems someone made it up. We don't know why, but uh, we'll look into it anyway. And of course, only a fraction of the audience sees the retraction. And the cycle continues and continues. Laura Ingram and the entire network should be ashamed of themselves, particularly in the midst of hundreds of millions of dollars in lawsuits, actually billions in lawsuits with nearly a billion in settlements so far over untrue things that they have said. Disgusting and the casual nature with 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 which they do the retraction is just like the cherry on top or the bottom of the barrel or call it what you will. One of our sponsors today is Fume. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad part from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award winning device that does exactly that. Fume is not electronic, there's no vapor or harmful chemicals. Fume is just a delicious flavored air that makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts, which is great for fidgeting, which can be great for people breaking bad habits. Look at what people online are saying. They weren't sure what to expect, but ended up loving the taste and the feel. Stopping is something lots of people put off because it's difficult to do. But switching to fume is easy and enjoyable. There's no reason that you can't be the next fume success story. Head on over to tryfume.com and use the code PACMAN to save 10%. When you get the journey pack, which comes with the device and three flavors, that's tryfum.com 
Code Pacman saves you 10% on the journey pack. The info is in the podcast notes. We've talked on the show about how Internet service providers have been logging everything their customers do online and selling that data. Tech companies use trackers in websites and apps to collect your data. You can shield yourself from all of it by using a VPN every time you connect to the Internet. The VPN I use is private Internet access. It's the only VPN that has proven multiple times in court they do not log your activity. Our sponsor, Private Internet Access, hides my IP address, prevents big tech from being able to paint a picture of who I am and what I do online. And it works for all of your favorite streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu to access shows and movies normally only available in other countries. It's one of the only VPNs that works for peer to peer file sharing. And the best part is you can protect unlimited devices with just one account going online without private Internet access is like leaving your phone unattended in a crowded room. Anyone can just take a glance. My audience gets 83 percent off. That's just two oh three a month. Go to piavpncom slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. We are going to talk a little bit more about the 2024 Republican primary. We will talk about three potential or actual candidates. A little bit later, I will talk about an actual candidate, Donald Trump. We will then also talk about a potential candidate, Ron DeSantis. And first, I'm going to tell you about the newest candidate, and I'm talking about Tim Scott. Tim Scott, the uh, only black Republican senator currently in the Senate from South Carolina, has announced that he is running in the Republican primary in 2024. The Associated Press reports Senator Tim Scott makes it official. He's a Republican candidate for president. Now, we're going to talk about some of the details here, but let me bottom line this for you. The 40,000 foot view on Tim Scott's candidacy is number one, dead on arrival. Number two, how on earth is the party that most recently selected as their candidate, an old white guy who regularly stoked fears about brown and black people. How is that very same electorate going to say, hey, you know what? Let's elect a black guy instead of Trump when Trump is actually running again. You don't really need to know anything else about Tim Scott's candidacy. Other than that, the the same voters aren't going to go from the white guy stoking fears about brown and black people to a black guy. They're just not going to do it. Now, let's go through some of the details here. Associated Press reports Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina makes it official. He's running Scott, the Senate's only black Republican, filed paperwork declaring his intention to seek the nomination. I love this line. His can't the Associated Press sometimes there. The neutrality with which they report certain things is actually funny. His candidacy will test whether a more optimistic version of vision of America's future can resonate with Republican voters who have elevated partisan brawlers in recent years. I can give you the answer. No, they are not going to go with a more optimistic vision. The deeply religious 57 year old former insurance broker has made his grandfather's work in the cotton fields of the Deep South a bedrock of his political identity. Yet he rejects the notion that racism remains a powerful force in society. He has cast his candidacy and rise from generational poverty as the realization of a dream only possible in America. He has ads scheduled to begin in Iowa and New Hampshire starting uh, this week. 
it's all it's all happening. OK, we're really getting into the thick of the 2024 primary. Now, let me tell you a couple of different things. If we put aside for a second the undeniable reality that this campaign is indeed dead on arrival, Tim Scott has no chance. He's polling, you know, one percent, two percent, whatever. There is something very dangerous about Tim Scott. Tim Scott openly says, openly says that religion, but not any religion, his Christian religion should guide and direct civil government in the United States. That is an extraordinarily dangerous vision. Now, of course, when we look at Trump, Trump's foreign policy ideas are dangerous. Trump being enamored, enamored with right wing dictators and authoritarians is dangerous. Trump's cluelessness on everything from international trade to economics to social issues. It's all very dangerous. But Trump stops short of openly saying that what was it? Uh, government should kneel at the altar of religion or I forget exactly what phrase uh, Tim Scott used. That is also genuinely dangerous in how brazen a 180 it is from what the founders of the United States actually wanted. So is it a good thing that Trump is crushing Tim Scott and Tim Scott has no chance? Well, it is what it is. I can't help the fact that MAGA still controls the Republican Party. We don't want a guy close to the presidency who overtly believes that not just any religion, but his religion should control civil government. And that's what Tim Scott believes. Now, more generally on politics, you know, Tim Scott is an extreme right winger. Uh, we shouldn't. He's less cartoonish than Trump in some ways, but we should all understand the degree to which these are true extremists. He opposes abortion. He says crazy things about the border. He was a no on conviction for Trump in both impeachment trials. He delivered a completely outrageous response to Joe Biden's address to Congress, where he said there simply is no racism here anymore and it doesn't matter. And blah, 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 blah. according to Real Clear Politics, Trump is polling about 56 percent, DeSantis around 20, as I told you, and Tim Scott on average has 2 percent. Tim Scott is behind Mike Pence, who's not even running. Tim Scott is behind Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy, who are running but also have no chance. Larry Elder, in some polls, is doing better than Tim Scott, even though Larry Elder, as far as I know, isn't running. But who even knows? Because no one's paying attention to Larry Elder. So Tim Scott has absolutely no chance. The question then becomes, what's the reason to do this? What is he thinking? What does he think he can do? Does he literally think he can win over Trump supporters? and convince them to abandon Trump and vote for Tim Scott? No, I think there's no chance in hell of that. Does he think that the same party who voted the guy into power who encouraged hostility against black and brown people is now going to vote for a black guy in the primary? It's very hard to believe Tim Scott believes that. I mean, Tim Scott is a dangerous extremist, but he's not quite literally a stupid guy in the traditional sense. So what is his motivation? My instinct is that when these guys run candidacies determined to lose, they make the call that if they can make it onto a debate stage or two or raise money with which they can run ads in a bunch of different states, they're raising their name recognition and maybe securing their their spot in the Senate. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's all very confusing when I see these sorts of candidacies. But Tim Scott running will not be the Republican nominee 
almost laughable to think that he has a shot. And Vivek Ramaswamy has no shot. Nikki Haley has no shot. It's can DeSantis do something to get to 50 percent? And I struggle to think of what that could be. Or does Trump just easily sail to the nomination? Let's go now from Tim Scott to Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis still has not successfully received a personality transplant that is going to help him in any way. I'm going to play some cringe video for you. It's difficult to imagine a less charismatic guy. Uh, The New York Times wrote up his uh, DeSantis's recent trip to New Hampshire. DeSantis amps up his retail campaign in New Hampshire. The Florida governor met with state lawmakers and made the standard diner visit to press flesh with voters, showcasing his more moderate side. He was not showcasing his most moderate side. He bragged about banning pronouns. But more importantly, look at the lack of charisma. It's hard to think of a more awkward and less charismatic guy. Here's DeSantis. I'll describe this for people not watching. DeSantis enters a diner, seems visibly confused as to how to relate to people and is kind of told where to stand. And it's I almost started feeling bad for the guy because it's almost like when an introvert is forced into social situations. Take a look at this. How are you doing? Good, sir. Wow, look at this. You guys been hi. How are you guys? Good to see you. So what do you got? Go right over here. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. Go. Hey guys, how you doing? Oh, stand here. Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. Biscuits. Yes, biscuits. Wow. Crowded, huh? Good. There are people in this establishment, which suggests that business is transacting. How are you doing? It smells really good. I'll tell you that. You know, when these LGBTQ smells, we we're doing away with that in Florida. We're just not going to do it because woke goes to die in Florida. And if anybody tries to slide turkey bacon in, it it is only real bacon. None of that sissy stuff. Okay, I'll tell you that right now. So we'll do it. Okay. How are you doing? I'm Tim Anderson. Okay. How are you? I'm wonderful. Great to be up. I love that. What's your name, Tim? Okay. (laughs) And it's such a little thing, but it's again, he just every every detail. What's your name? Oh, my my name's uh, 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 Jonathan. Okay. Wow, what what a guy. Are you going to run? Stay tuned. All right. <laughs> all right. Then he also during the same stop, I think, or maybe this was a different diner. It looks like he's in a I don't know where he is. Same same sort of thing. Um, he bragged about how they've banned pronouns in Florida. We just did a bill in Florida. We're not allowing the pronouns. Like you can't force these kids to be choosing. Pro- they want like a second grader to pick a pronoun. Listen, and if you elect me president, I'm going to go after adverbs and prepositional phrases. We're going to just end those like you wouldn't even believe because these woke people they want to put. And by the way, capitalization on proper nouns, we're going to get rid of that so fast that they're going to get the hell out of Florida. This guy is not ready. He is not ready. And it's constitutionally he just appealing to moderate voters is what was reported by The New York Times. He bragged about banning pronouns. There is nothing moderate about that. And by the way, you can say a lot of bad things about New Hampshire, uh, not the state, but what I'm saying, there's a lot of right wing extremism in New Hampshire. 
focusing on pronouns. I don't even know is that it's going to do it with New Hampshire Republicans, to be totally honest. So the DeSantis campaign that still hasn't started looking very, very rough. Donald Trump has received disastrous news from his own former lawyer, Ty Cobb. His name is really Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb believes Trump will end up convicted and in prison for one of Trump's own former lawyers to say this is really something. Uh, Donald Trump's former attorney has boldly predicted that the former president is going to jail as the criminal investigation into the trove of classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago continues to heat up. Ty Cobb, who worked as a White House attorney for the Trump administration from July 2017 to May 2018, said to CNN, the evidence against Trump will lead to a conviction and prison time. Reminder, this is separate from Georgia, where an indictment may be coming. This is separate from the pre-existing arrest and indictment of Trump. This is its own. This is for the, the documents in Florida. Quote, I wouldn't necessarily expand the case to try to prove the Espionage Act piece of it, because there's so much evidence of guilty knowledge on the espionage piece that all they really have to do is show that Trump moved these documents at various times when DOJ was either demanding them or actually present, that he filed falsely with the Justice Department, had his lawyers file falsely with the Justice Department and affidavit to the effect that none existed, meaning no documents, which was shattered by the documents they discovered after the search and the many other misrepresentations. Yes, I do think he will go to jail on it. Uh, Business Insider reports a former White House lawyer believes Trump will go to jail. Ty Cobb said there was, quote, so much evidence of guilty knowledge as investigations continue. The DOJ is probing whether Trump obstructed justice in bringing classified documents to Mar-a-Lago. If other people did what Trump did, they would certainly be prosecuted. Now, you know, sometimes you'll see legal analysts or non. Usually it's more like non-legal analysts say anybody who did this would be convicted and sentenced to prison. Conviction is a much different thing, right? The criminal standard of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. It's very hard to predict conviction. But what we can say with certainty is that if other people did what Trump did with regard to the documents, they would certainly be prosecuted. And then we we would look at whether they get convicted. And the most important aspect of all of this is that no one should be above the law, should being the critical word. The last part of this speculating on the outcome of ongoing investigations, in a sense, can be misleading. And it is true that when you hear a lawyer like Ty Cobb say, you go, wow, this this is not just a random lawyer. This is not a random left wing lawyer. This is a lawyer who worked for Trump and that does carry strength. And so I think we should listen to what Ty Cobb says. At the same time, investigations can be fickle. These things have to run their course. We want impartiality when it comes to the justice system. And so when Ty Cobb makes these predictions, they're worth noting, given his knowledge and associations with uh, former President Donald Trump. But also we should approach all of it with caution, let the investigations play out and be guided by evidence. And for the time being, I have every reason to believe that that is exactly what the Justice Department has been doing. I can't imagine if you are Trump, you're thrilled when your own former lawyer says, I think you're going to prison. 
But let's wait and see, because it's certainly one of many possible outcomes here. One of our sponsors is Shortform. Shortform makes the world's best guides to nonfiction books. And not only does Shortform summarize each nonfiction book itself into key points that you can cover in just a few minutes, they have all sorts of interactive exercises to help you apply the ideas to what you've read to retain more. The guide to each book also includes intellectual insights, comparing and contrasting the book to other prominent books about the same topic so that you can contextualize the book and understand the controversies and the disagreements. They also have books across every nonfiction genre from economics and politics to science and health. I was recently checking out James Clear's Atomic Habits on short form. Of course, they have the guide, but they also have highlights. They also include other similar books about habits and developing a routine with differences and similarities. Super, super useful and a lot more than just a summary of the book. There are new guides and articles released every week and short form is giving my audience a free trial plus 25 percent off a subscription, which is a $50 value. So for the price of a book per month, you get access to thousands Go to shortform.com slash Pacman. You can find the link in the podcast notes. People often ask me about my daily routine. You know, I'm interviewed about the David Pacman show. How did you do it? How do you do this? And like daily routine just often comes up. And how do you stay healthy? And of course, I talk about exercise and I talk about eating the right diet. But one of the things that can happen if you are not eating the right diet or you're traveling or life gets in the way is you end up with some kind of vitamin deficiency. A daily scoop of AG1 from our sponsor Athletic Greens makes this super easy to take off of your list of things to worry about. One scoop of AG1, you get the entire day's worth of 75 high quality vitamins and minerals from whole food sourced ingredients. AG1 is cheaper than dealing with a bunch of different supplements. It's infinitely more convenient. You just take a scoop before you have your coffee, for example, as I do in the morning, and you're covered for the entire day. Many of my friends love AG1. Anyone I mention it to seems to get hooked. When I go on vacation, I bring the AG1 travel packs with me, especially because I'm not always eating the same diet when I'm traveling that I do at home. Staying properly nourished, so important to feeling your best. AG1 just makes it really easy and very convenient. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Pacman to get a free year supply of vitamin D. I've talked about vitamin D so many times, plus five free AG1 travel packs. That's athleticgreens.com slash Pacman for a year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. The link is in the podcast notes. Radical and repugnant Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene suffered another public humiliation. She seems to have a very high tolerance for these as she is constantly embarrassing and humiliating herself in public. Fortunately, her constituents don't seem to care. Let me tell you what happened. There was a hearing about extremism, white supremacy, criminality, so on and so forth. And one of the witnesses during this hearing was uh, a woman named Amy Spitalnik, and um, she's a senior advisor on extremism at the human rights organization Human Rights First. Not only did Marjorie Taylor Greene mispronounce her, her name, which we will get to in a moment, 
But she seemed to once again lose a sense of how time moves forward. And 2023 happened after 2024 and so on and so forth. And when uh, the witness tried to explain that every single politically motivated murder in 2022 was committed by a right wing extremist, Marjorie Taylor Greene brings up something that happened in 2023. And as if Greene is a five year old, it's explained to her that it's a different year. Congresswoman, when it comes to politically motivated violence in 2022, every single murder was committed by a right wing extremist. Every single murder in America was committed by a right wing extremist. Every single politically motivated murder was committed by a right wing extremist. Are you sure about that? I am. Are you are you aware that the uh, Tennessee shooter just recently identified as a man and she was a biological woman? Was she a right wing extremist as well? Lady, time has expired. I'll allow the witness to answer the question. So that was a shooting that happened in 2023. (laughs) There is no evidence as to what ideology motivated that shooting when it. There's a lot here. This is this is actually it's it's another humiliation for Marjorie Taylor Greene. But there is a lot here. First of all, imagine that it were true that all but one politically motivated shootings were committed by right wingers. And imagine that the shooting that Marjorie Taylor Greene is referring to had happened in 2022. It's actually almost worse. Because the fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene would be able to say, well, there there was this one shooting that wasn't a right winger, it would only reinforce that the politically motivated shootings in the United States are almost exclusively committed by right wingers. Now, it happens that Marjorie Taylor Greene brought up a shooting that didn't happen in 2022. It happened in 2023. So it just doesn't even make any sense. But imagine that conversation. Every single one of these was committed by uh, by right wingers. Well, other than this one. Oh, okay, All but one. So it's still ninety nine percent. It's still not good. Now, it's also true that even in the incident this year with the trans shooter, we know the identity of the individual as being trans. But as far as I've seen, we actually don't know the motivations. And just because you're trans doesn't mean that the motivations were left wing motivations. If they were, I will absolutely tell you it wouldn't change the reality that overwhelmingly politically motivated shootings in the United States are committed by right wingers. So just an embarrassment up and down the the entire thing. Um, Here's the moment earlier during this where Marjorie Taylor Greene mispronounces the witness's name and then tries this hardcore questioning which just makes her look like a horrible person that she is. Uh, Miss Spittleneck, you were talking about white supremacy. It's oh, I apologize, Spitalnik. Miss Spitalnik, while you were talking about white supremacist and abortion, I totally agree with you. There's a lot of white supremacist supremacists in the abortion movement um, and abortionists because they have murdered over 20 million black babies in America since Roe versus Wade in 1973. That's on average 900 black babies are aborted. They're ripped apart inside their mother's womb. This is gag worthy stuff from Marjorie Taylor Greene. So I, you know, I would agree with you that that could be labeled white supremacy or we could just label it murder and it should never be happening. So if you want to talk about white supremacy and the abortion movement, you should really analyze that in your human rights groups 
that you run as you collect donations from people with your nonprofit? Because I think that is something extremely important to talk about. Yeah, because Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't grift for donations, right? Is the right for those black babies to have lives as American citizens, the right for them to be born, the right for them to be given a chance to live as free Americans instead of murder. You think this is funny, Miss Patalnik? Is this funny to you? Is babies being murdered in the womb funny to you? Because you're smirking and laughing. This at is a very tough Marjorie Taylor Greene. Me right now. What's not funny are the black people and Hispanic people and Jewish people and Muslim people who have been murdered in synagogue, in church, in supermarkets, in mosques by white supremacists. Are you aware that that all colored people are murdered? Uh, that is that is a fact that every single color person has been murdered. That That's not unusual. It's Pick a color. They've been murdered, says Marjorie Taylor Greene not just that people have come. The question is, what are the motivations for those murders, which seems to be completely above Marjorie Taylor Greene's head are murdered. White people are murdered, too. Murder is not just for minorities. I, that may be a shock to you. So a disgusting person, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And as usual, she's not good at this. She will try to make these witnesses look bad and she fails. That being said, the people who like Marjorie Taylor Greene see that and think, wow, she did a really good job. She really showed that witness. She really proved her wrong. Um, a common sense approach leads you to a different conclusion. But a lot of this is what can I go back to my constituents and justify? What can I go on Hannity and claim that I did? But to any thinking person, really a humiliation that Marjorie Taylor Greene is even a member of the United States House of Representatives. That's really, you know, the number one thing I hear from our foreign viewers about Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's not about her specific views, as deplorable as they are. It's the disbelief that she could even get elected in this country. How how Mar how does your country elect this person? And then you go down to whatever fourth, fourth or 14th district of Georgia, wherever she represents, and you talk to people and you go, oh, this is how this is how they are thinking about investigating Hillary Clinton. Do not adjust your television. Do not uh, 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 go back 15 seconds on your podcast player. It is May of 2023, and they are looking at an investigation into Bill and Hillary Clinton. Jim Jordan appeared standing and with no suit jacket, as he always does, on Maria Bartiromo's show yesterday morning on Fox News. Maria Bartiromo is a Fox News propagandist and Trump brown noser who screams most of the show. I don't know why. You could just turn up her microphone. You thought she needed more volume and she gets Jim Jordan to seemingly tease that they're going to look into an investigation into Hillary and maybe Bill Clinton as well. As you can see, House Republicans, since taking control in January, they really have their fingers on the pulse of the issues of importance to the American people. Real quick, do you want to see another investigation of Hillary and Bill Clinton? Because <laughs> in the Durham report, uh, John Durham wrote that while they were pursuing Trump, they made no effort to investigate the claim that Hillary Clinton was taking money from foreigners for her right. Clinton Global Initiative and the Clinton Foundation. They not only did investigate her like they did President Trump, they gave her. Oh, they're both screaming today. Campaign a defensive briefing. 
Right. They should have done the same for President Trump because they literally had no evidence. So we're going to talk with our lawyers. We're going to talk with Speaker McCarthy on where we proceed from, from here. In fact, are there people that were, that were highlighted in the Durham investigation and the Durham report that we need to talk to on the Judiciary Committee? We're going to give that a good hard look. But nothing is off the table because yeah. it is critical. Even Hillary's on the table. Well, the American people understand how okay. their government, their agencies have been turned on them, the taxpayer, and we get yeah. all the facts out there. Mr. Chairman, could you? Real quick. <laughs> uh, I hope they finally get to the bottom of the Lewinsky scandal. I really do, because it, I've been waiting around. Nobody's really given it a good, hard look. And I think it's time that we figure out what the hell happened back in the 90s with Bill Clinton. Maybe go back even further. I want them to look at some of the things that Hillary did when Bill was governor of Arkansas, because I think that's really where the bodies are buried, as they love to say. These people are nuts. But I wouldn't put it past them to actually try to investigate Hillary. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here's a call about tipping a subject about which I feel very strongly. Do you like to give tips at restaurants? No, but I do it. I think that people should stop tipping at restaurants. You might say, well, that's bad for the you know waitress. Well, if you keep tipping at a restaurant, the restaurant owner will continue to not pay a living wage to the waitress or bartender. If everyone stops tipping, then obviously the waitress and bartender will leave and not work at the restaurant. And now the restaurant is stuck with food that they can't serve to their customers. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, they will either close shop or reevaluate their payroll. And they will also reevaluate their prices. So listen, I want I've been up front. I hate tipping culture and how it has developed. I don't like the inconsistency of it. I don't like the increased nature of more and more places where you're you're allowed to tip. A lot of this is driven by companies like Square and Stripe who put those payment tablets. They collect a portion of every dollar. So it's to the advantage of the companies that do the payment tablets to offer tipping for everything. And then, hey, we'll just collect more money. Um, I tip well everywhere I go. I tip housekeeping when I stay in a hotel and I, you know, uh, the valet people, I, t I, I tip everywhere. But I am very, very much against the entire thing. The problem with saying if we just stop tipping, the restaurants will have to adjust. First of all, the tipping has gone way beyond restaurants at this point. And the first thing that's going to happen is if restaurants immediately play that out. Um, and by the way, some states, some state law allow the my, my understanding <clears throat> is that if the tips don't get that tipped wage up to the minimum wage, the restaurant owner already has to make up that difference. That's my belief. But we should we should fact check that in, in the immediate. If restaurants all of a sudden, because everybody stopped tipping, needed to pay employees dramatically more, they would immediately increase prices uh, significantly at the restaurant. Now, this is effectively what has happened. The tips subsidize. And this is what has happened at restaurants that now say we include a service charge. Please don't tip. And the prices already reflect that the twelve dollar sandwich might just cost you 15 
but they will say, please don't tip. We've, we have a service charge. Many restaurants in New York City have already done this. You look at the menu and it says we are we pay our employees well. The prices already reflect that. Or we have added a four percent surcharge for the back of the house and tip is already inclusive on the prices or whatever the case may be. Honestly, I'm I'm more or less for that sort of thing. And I know that at least in the immediate, we're just going to pay more in order to not tip. But there are a bunch of different issues with the the tipping model. And it includes that when people come from different countries, you don't always know what's expected. I was recently in the UK. The UK has now taken to they automatically include twelve and a half percent. So you don't have to think about it. You can ask for it to be removed, but the bill comes out and it automatically says twelve and a half percent tip. And what I like about that is I don't have to think about it. It just is what it is. But my preference would be eliminate tipping, put real pricing that reflects the total cost of paying employees well on the menu. And then I can look at the menu and determine whether I think that this is a restaurant that I want to visit. But I think that if we all just stop tipping cold turkey, it'll be terrible for workers. I don't believe it'll have the effect that our caller believes it will have. Remember, Monday Memorial Day, this coming Monday, our one day membership special. If you're thinking about signing up, I would encourage you to do so at a humiliatingly huge discount that we will be offering on Monday. You can be notified via email by getting on our newsletter at davidpackman.com. Bonus show today will be great. We'll talk about the $1.3 billion fine that Meta has been hit with. We will talk about the move to expel Adam Schiff from Congress. And we will talk about the latest with this city bike lawsuit that is going on. It's crazy. All of those stories and more on today's bonus show. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. I can't possibly say it any better than that. So we will end the show and see you on the bonus show or back here tomorrow.